right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome to episode 359 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today, we've got Lonnie St. Louis KISS on the way. He's incoming, he promises. Um, Andrew, uh, a live catman on the message board. And the voice of reason, 69th Blizzard, Ken. All right, so let's go straight into stuff. Nothing to pimp. Who bought shit this week? I bought a CD. Uh, You're a liar, because you bought that probably when it was first came out you just got it this week no actually i didn't i just did? i, right, I, I ordered it on saturday okay so no I, actually i think i did order it last week before um before the release date but i didn't order it when originally uh, came out and i knew i was in amoeba thursday and i nearly bought the vinyl i was like 60 bucks for vinyl no i'm not doing it and actually managed to walk out of amoeba without buying a single item so i was very proud of myself but it's triple vinyl for 60 bucks i don't think that's actually terrible in this day and age no it's not terrible in this day and age um but i'm just really more about the music these days the vinyl gotcha. to me um i find it a pain in the arse to actually I, says the guy who did just buy a new stylus for his for his deck uh <laughs> Because I got some Aerosmith Quadraphonic LPs into rip, oh. so I wanted a nice fresh needle. Uh, so yeah, I do make the effort, but only for stuff I really want. To, I don't want it to be an everyday sort of thing. I'm not gonna go. I agree. I'm not gonna go behind me and get Paul Stanley's now and then to spin on the turntable to see if it sounds better than the CD I've already got on my iPod. Uh, no, convenience is king. So and plus I'm unloading all my vinyl. So everyone got this, uh, but let's just talk about the tour. Uh, who bought tickets this week? Andrew? No. No? I uh, I wait until the absolute last minute. Since I typically go and see Kiss alone, I wait until the very, very last minute, and I try to snipe out one seat as close as I possibly can. So uh, that's how I always get so close. That is also very smart because of now the market-driven pricing on many of these means that you probably get a better deal as well for the ticket yeah. that you're yeah. you're going for. Meanwhile, Ken and I, Ken, why don't you tell the story? Because obviously uh, you bought tickets and then told me where you were and yeah so here's the story um so i got on you know shortly after 10 a.m and and i was gonna buy tickets and so i'm selecting i get on there and here's the seats and i i choose the front row and front it's the front center and they're they're gone they're like oh shoot i better go to the second row i go and select an aisle seat on the second row as I'm selecting it, I had it, and then it went away. I'm like, what the hell happened? And I see, oh, someone already got it. So I just took the next cut two next to that, and then, you know, I did I purchased and all that stuff. And then later, I said, hey, you know, Julian, I got my ticket. So, you know, I'm, I'm out this location here. Um, and then he he joked back and said he was at the next seat. He was joking originally. Uh, that he was going to be in the next seat because if you go back to the prior to a prior year when we saw Oakland, uh, the show in Oakland, we had t- you know seats right next to each other. We didn't plan it. 
we didn't plan it, but we ended Lies. up next to each other. It's not a lie. I'm telling you, Andrew. And so, <laughs> so the so so it comes to be a, so he goes back and then finally you know looks at his because he didn't pay attention to it too closely, and then he he said it, it is that seat right next to yours. So we ended up two concerts in a row, just by crazy chance, sitting right next to each other. What are the odds of that? And sitting right next to each other, here is Lonnie. Glad you COVID's over in St. Louis and there's traffic again. Sorry about that. Well, glad, glad you could make it. We're just talking about buying KISS tickets. Andrew's waiting. Ken and I got tickets next to each other once again without even trying or coordinating. Uh, what about you? Are there are any of the shows in your neck of the woods, or did you have postponed tickets from previous? Um, there are, there are no, There's no really shows... In the neck of our wood, in the neck of, neck of the wood, neck of the way, um, but uh, I so I have not I have not pulled the trigger on anything. You know, Columbus is like the closest, and that's like six hours away. Um, nothing really, really close, unfortunately. Andrew, are you going to Columbus? I'm not sure. I mean, here's the thing. I I just I I'm a like week of kind of guy. That's where I'm gonna you know pull the trigger and see what's going on. Yeah. I don't really like to see Kiss in Ohio. I kind of like to travel. Uh, it probably Pittsburgh is probably the one I'm absolutely going to. So, um, so yeah, but we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see. I mean, uh, again, there might be money bag soda events that 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 we go to or that we do, um, but uh, I, it's going to be a game time decision, I think. Yeah. Cool. So we were we were just happy that they're coming back to Northern California and Mountain View. You know, surprising. Yeah, I was it, surprised it, by that as well. Yeah, it is surprising. The last Mountain View show was, of course, canceled. So uh, you know, finger, fingers crossed because I I was actually I, I broached the subject with my wife and said, um, you know, now that our son's at university, he's going to be there. You know, we could go and kind of visit him. And she said, "Where's the kiss show?" <laughs> she, she she was ready for that. Yeah, so we could hop across the gor- the, the border as well and go to Tijuana. Yeah, no. No, you're not doing that. Okay, well, Mountain View's announced. Yay! So, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to uh, Off the Soundboard has come out. Um, I am very happy that it's out and to have a copy of that. Andrew, what are your observations on this release? This is, has been my favorite show for a long time, and if you are a long-time poster on the FAQ board, you'll know that when we were anticipating what was going to be on Kissology Volume 3, we were hoping that this was going to be on that. It was never on a list, but it was kind of one of those shows that we hoped it would be on it. For those of you that don't know, this was a webcast back in 2001. There's not a whole lot of information where the webcast took place. It was probably Japanese only, but somehow, someway, somebody captured the old pixelated webcast from 2001, and we've been listening to that ever since. And... uh, it's it's very of the time. There's a lot of scrubbing noises. There's, it just doesn't sound great. But this show has always been one of my favorite shows. So I was excited for this release when they announced that this was going to be the show. Now, the thing when I first noticed is that introduction is not the 2001 introduction. It's just not. It's the 2019 introduction. The 2019 intro was is done by Fran, which is Paul's guitar tech, whereas 2001 used to be done by Spike. So, again, we still can't get rid of our bootlegs because the introduction is still different. However, once you get past the introduction, it's actually great. Some things you're hearing for the very first time, a lot of the raps and a lot of the in-the-middle stuff was cut from the webcast because 
I guess it was just about the music, especially if you're Japanese, you're not going to want to listen to a webcast in English. I know they're a bilingual society, but still, I digress. But anyway, it, it was cool to listen to the entire show unabridged and a cool performance and a cool time in, in history. We all thought back then it was going to be the end. And for them to choose this show as the first show, uh, it's very, very, very cool. Before we get on the air, you know, Julie and I were kind of talking about the show a little bit. And um, for those of you that don't know, there was also another webcast, a U.S. webcast, that I believe was from Cle- uh, I want to say Cleveland uh, 2000, but it might have been um, uh, 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 Chicago 2000. Because I'm looking at the dates right now, and they did pay Cleveland May 5th and May 6th, 2000. And I think that's when the actual um, webcast was. Again, later on, they played Chicago May 11th and 12th. So I can't remember if the, if the webcast was from Cleveland or Chicago. But one of those had a webcast. I watched it. It was on Pepsi's website back in the day. So maybe that's something else that could come because that's another board tape that they might have ready. So, uh, But again, this release, two thumbs up from me. I love it. It sounds great. And it's cool to have something pristine that uh, we've had kind of a crappy version of for so long. All right. So while I go to the other guys, think of uh, some of what you think are the standout tracks on this recording um, now that we've got it in its full sonic glory. Lonnie, did you pick it up or check it out on Spotify? Absolutely. I I, uh, got the CD from New Discover, came in the mail on on Friday, actually. So I got the day of release, which was was nice and refreshing. Um, I was excited to get this. I mean, like Andrew said, you know, when when these shows were going on, I mean, I know... For, for myself, I really thought that that these shows in Japan and Australia were just going to be a, a footnote at the tail end of their career. And I, I was still sold on the whole farewell thing while these shows were going on. I, I was very disappointed that, that Peter wasn't going to be a part of it. I was really hoping that they were going to finish it the right way with all four of them. But... I was still intrigued by the Ace Frehley, Eric Singer lineup, and I had had heard rumblings of it early on that hey, they sound really good. And, you know, um, got a several bootlegs from from Japan and Australia on that tour, and they sounded great. And I was like, wow, it's you know, I, I and we all love the me- the medleys that un- you know aren't on this particular concert, but it's really nice to have a an official memento of this lineup that, you know, unfortunately never that America never got to see. So I, I was really excited about when they announced it way back in, well, we found out, I guess we found out what it was way back in March. They didn't really announce it up until, um, up until April, but I got it. I, I really like it. It's, it's fantastic. And I, and we'll get into it a little bit more, but I love Paul's voice. Paul just sounds incredible incredible on it and it, we we're just like sitting out on the patio listening to it last friday night and and it's just like this is the this is great this is the band that i love it's the band that i that i fell in love with you know just just hearing the the paul stanley voice in my opinion still in its prime just outstanding so i'm i'm a big fan of it ken how about you yeah i mean i I I know I heard bits and pieces of, of uh, the Tokyo show. Um, 
I hadn't, I did not have the bootleg or anything like that. Uh, but I just, you know, was on on the net, you know, seeing that sort of thing, seeing the the show and snippets and things like that. So, um, but I was definitely interested in that lineup, which is, you know, it's the shortest lived lineup, I guess, of Kiss, right? <laughs> um, uh, and and I was I was fine with when it happened when um, Eric they you know chose Eric to go there. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I didn't think it was gonna he was gonna continue. I didn't know um, that down the line he'd be uh, a regular member. But you know, it is what it is. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. Um, I knew he was a great drummer, so I, I figured it would give them a, a kick in the butt, um, kind of like when Eric Carr took over uh, for Peter um, back in 80. Um, so, yeah, I, I was looking forward to it, and and it's something new and live, off the soundboard. We've been wanting this kind of stuff for a long time, um, and it, it took a long time, but uh, it's finally happened, ha- you know, finally happened, and I enjoy it. It was really good. Yeah, I'm thrilled. So, you know, thank you to those who made this happen because it is appreciated by some of us. I know people are discussing, uh, you know, various aspects of it, but it really was (laughs) um, an electric performance. And just comparing it, I mean, I've had, you know, I think it was the Bondage CD um, of the webcast. You know, that was my listen for many years. And just to hear it, full bombastic glory. It's not, you know, it's basically the same feed, but just, you know, direct pre pixelated sound you know for want of a better term it's funny uh, you know we're talking about this webcast here and and as you guys were were, were talking about your thoughts i started looking through you know the old kiss asylum and web pages like that and i can't find a ton of information on this webcast so it kind of makes me wonder if this was something that was only reached japanese audiences at the time and then kind of came over in bootleg form such as vhs and all that and it's just it's just interesting to kind of look back and see what news articles are about that did it happen live when did it happen so i'm looking on the uh the old kiss asylum board the news board for march of 2001 and there's not a single mention of it not one which is weird that's strange and i can't remember either you know i know there was a webcast way back when that it was what persuaded me to go broadband and get dsl uh, because I tried to watch it with my dial-up, and I, you just couldn't do anything even then. But whether that was late 90s or, or 2001, I don't know. But that that said, you know, what are some of the standout tracks for you on this? And, you know, just before we go into that, um, one thing I did today on my walk was I queued up the Rutherford show from 2000, played that first, then I played the New Year's uh, Vancouver one, um, and then this in a row, and this by far is the best of those three shows that we've had kind of officially released. So, uh, again, very happy with it. All right, Andrew, let's go back to you for you know what are the standout tracks uh, for you on this recording? Easy, talk to me. It's such a huge standout track. It's one of those ones where we first saw it on the set list, and we're like, are they really doing that? At the time, they hadn't done it since 1980. There wasn't any Ace Frehley solo band that was doing stuff. So Talk To Me is a standout track. Love Gun is cool. 100,000 Years are cool. There's so, this is just a fun show to listen to. 
And uh, it, it's cool. Even I Was Made for Loving You is kind of a standout. But but again, if we're talking about absolute standouts, it's got to be Talk to Me. Yeah. Ken, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Talk to Me and um, and Love Gun, too. Um, and definitely, I, I really enjoy, I, you know, one of my favorite songs, Black Diamond. I really love that. I mean, the whole thing is really well done and very clear and the performances are, are, are right on. So I have no complaints about it. Yeah. It's all good. Of, yeah. The whole thing really stands out for me. Um, but talk, talk to me for sure. Just because I don't, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of live recording, a live, yeah. I obviously don't have the live official recording to talk to me period. But, uh, but that heavens on fire. Do you love me? Just the whole thing really stands out. I, I love, 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 yeah, agree. Andrew hit all of them for me. You know, it's a hundred thousand years. I was made for loving you. Actually, is my standout track on this recording, and obviously, talk to me uh, can't be denied. Overall, you know, it, it's funny that we bitch about set lists and talk about it ad nauseum, and it's really not that different than what we get these days. And uh, here we are. You know, yeah, yeah, different order. He's right. Different order. So uh, it doesn't take much to please us. So that's good, at least. All right, let's move on into um, Andrew went back east this week or this week past and uh, attended Tribeca and got to see the airing of part one of the documentary. So we wanted to get, you know, ping his thoughts. But I want to start in reverse and talk about the show first so that anyone who doesn't want to hear any spoilers about part one of the documentary can check out after Andrew tells us a a bit about the show and his thoughts on that. The show was really cool. You could kind of tell that the guys were really happy to be on stage in front of people again. And, uh, man... I have never been at a KISS show where the flames were that big and that hot. I've been at outdoor KISS shows before, but, I mean, these flames, I mean, you see the pictures they posted, the flames went up, had to be 50 feet, easily, easily, and they were and they were hot. They were so hot that people in the front had to cover their faces because they were so hot going up, and they packed a full show's worth of pyro into five songs, without a doubt. The only thing missing was the confetti, at the end of rock and roll at night but the band sounded great they looked like they were having a great time and just seeing the pyro explode and, and all i mean it was it was great to finally see them back doing what they love and you can tell these guys are going to miss when they finally hang it up here in the next year year and a half or whenever the last show is going to be but it was clear that those guys were really happy to be on stage together again in front of people and like i said pyro super hot super hot and for those of you who haven't seen any of the videos or any of the stuff on there, uh, the set list was Detroit Rock City, Shout Out Loud, War Machine, Heavens on Fire, and Rock and Roll All Night. And they kind of mix it up a little bit. I was glad they just didn't you know, play Deuce and they didn't do any of the, the, the standards. Hearing War Machine and Heavens on Fire, which I know they've done a bunch in the, in the past couple of years, was cool. was cool to hear. And uh, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. So, yeah, very something very, very cool. And I was glad I got to see it. You know, I'd like to give a shout out to Jake Papalato for uh, live streaming it on Facebook. So I was able to watch at the uh, at the time. So that was very cool. I know there are quite a few people live streaming. It was cool for all those people who didn't make the trip. Lonnie, you know, what are your thoughts? Are, are you surprised that they threw in Heaven's on Fire and uh, God, what was it? And War Machine into the and War Machine. I I thought it was great. It's usually usually for performances like 
that or any kind of I know it wasn't on national TV, but any kind of just performances like that, we'll do we'll do the easy hits. You know, obviously the short rack say it's a great opener, but you know, I, I like most of us. You know, we're we're kind of sitting there on Friday night on kind of just watching it on my phone. The short rack city's going on like, all right, well they'll go straight they'll, from this they'll go straight in the Dukes. They just as the whole song's going on, as probably most people thought as they're watching it, and they did. And I, I don't get me wrong. I, I, I love. I would love to hear Deuce. It's it's a great second song of the, of the set. But I was like, oh, shout it out loud. And then I still thought they were going to go in the Deuce after shout it out loud, and they surprised me again and, and didn't do it. But War Machine, very cool. And and Heaven, I love Heaven's on Fire. And I'm glad it's back in the set. It hasn't been back in the set since they started the End of the Road tour. So, um, I thought I thought it was cool. You know, no no complaints at all, and you you I and I agree with Andrew. Like, from what I what I watched, you know, they could they were they were genuinely happy to be back on stage with each other in front of the Kiss Army. You know, how, how many people it, were it was, there, Andrew? Less than five hundred, probably closer to three hundred, to be honest. Yeah, was, but mm. you could, but just have just to have an audience instead of playing to an empty hotel like yeah, person over there person right. over there <laughs> let me hear you you over there so you could tell that they were they were definitely happy to be on, <clears throat> on stage with each other in front of a live audience and yeah they're they're gonna miss it whenever they hang it up there's i'm sure there's i'm sure for them there's just there's just nothing like doing yeah so how hot were those flames hotter than hell is the answer ken what are your thoughts on the set and the the performance did you manage to check out any of the videos on youtube or watch any live streams yeah i checked the whole i checked the yeah on youtube the whole performance so i thought it was really good yeah definitely they were definitely having a good time um i never i don't think i've ever seen paul go over the gene and do this thing on you know his tongue thing and they're kind of having fun there and um yeah, and then you know Gene's at the wrong mic and kind of there at the beginning and and yeah, it looked like a lot of firepower that they're they're putting off there, especially at the flames. So, but yeah, as far as the songs, um, you know, I could tell you this: I can tell you, I'm glad they didn't do "Lick It Up" because um, that would have been so almost an obvious one they probably would have done. But I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they, they did. You know, instead, uh, you know, "Heaven's on Fire." Um, as I think an alternate to look it up, and uh, and yeah, the other songs are all good. It was a nice, tet, tight set list, and just kind of plowed through it, and it was all good. Really yep. good. It was over too quickly, and I know there's someone saying, "Damn it, they didn't play the oath." But you know what? For for that sort of <laughs> event, I thought yeah. it was perfectly stated set. I thought that's they... that same guy that's screaming about dirty living. That didn't play dirty living at the symphony. That's that guy screaming about the oath. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> dirty living. If you play dirty living, gonna be screaming murder. So he was probably screaming murder that whole time in 2003. <laughs> Come on, man. But the one important thing that Paul announced during that mini show was that they were resuming touring in August. So it, it was great to hear that from the stage that things are going to start moving again. The machine, the wheels are turning. So obviously, with you know, then tickets going on sale and additional dates being announced officially this week. You know, it, it was it's been a good week to be a Kiss fan, unless you're waiting for your vinyl. Um, yeah. <laughs> or if yeah, you've received, or if you've received a dud of the, I'm now I I have been told that it's called something else. I had called it the cat sphincter pressing. Um, it is actually now the bird shit pressing. 
So because um, yeah. it looks like a pigeon dropping on the <laughs> uh, on a clear vinyl, but whatever. It looks actually pretty cool. Some of the the photos people have shared of theirs. So hopefully yours arrive. So good to, good week to be a Kiss fan. All right. So if you don't want to have any spoilers about the documentary, you know we thank you for joining us through this half of the show. But uh, now, Andrew, the question is. The first question, I guess, would be, after seeing part one, does it live up to expectations? It does. It's a very... Here, this part is spoiler-free, so everybody come on back. It's, uh, it's, it documents the KISS story, not history, the KISS story very well. And people that have seen all the VH1 documentaries before, there's something in this for everyone. And if you love KISS, if you even just like KISS... This is for you, and you you need to tune in. Uh, I hope it doesn't fizzle out on part two. I don't think it's going to, but the way that the story was crafted, this is cool. I really, really, really enjoyed it. I did. Now, what about people on the KISS FAQ? Are they going to like it, since you did say that KISS fans will like it? <laughs> um, they they really should. I mean, there there is you know a, uh, a disclaimer that Ace and Peter weren't involved, so I know people are going to have a problem with that. Uh, and there is a dig at Peter later on about not giving the permission to use Beth. I didn't think that they needed to kind of go into uh, reprimanding Peter on camera about it. I thought that was a little unneeded. But um, leave those two parts out, and this is actually something really, really cool. Um, I initially wanted to go and see this because... I know you three guys know this, but maybe the people out there don't know this. I did pitch a movie idea to Kiss in September 2018. And that movie ended up becoming my unofficial movie one last time. But I wanted to make it officially with the band. I would spoken with Doc, and I have emails back and forth. So when Kiss 3 was announced and I saw the first trailer, I had a real bad feeling. I was like, oh God, please don't have them do my idea. And then just, oh, please don't. I'll have a really hard time being a Kiss fan if they had done that. So I go, I get to New York City, I sit down, and the first, like, four or five shots I'm watching, I go, oh, fuck. They, they, it was... I, I'm telling you guys with 100% certainty, I know one last time was set in New York, and this one starts with concert footage from Vancouver and um, Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, but the way that everything was put together, dude... It's fucking exactly like one last time. Exactly. Okay? <laughs> and when you guys watch it on Jan on June 27th, you'll see what I mean. Just do an A and a B. It's, they're very similar how they were put together. So when that started, like, you, no. hear, me, you hear me go, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I was, but then, but then, once it went into the actual story, and I was like, all right, all right, this is not, okay, I feel better. There were definitely similarities between it, but again, we're telling the same story using the same footage. Um, it, it, you know, it, it was all right. This is a cool, a cool documentary. It's got awesome footage in it. Nobody knew that silent eight millimeter footage existed of Peter Chris playing drums in the '60s, but it's here. St. Louis, Keishi Kite Festival, 1974. It's here, and there's all kinds of little blips and blobs in there, and the footage looks great. The Fort Worth 1977 footage f that was used for the Love Gun promo that was aired on TV has been rescanned. Looks immaculate. Looks like it was shot yesterday. It's awesome. 
So seeing little things like that, being a collector and being a fan, it's awesome. I can't, I can't say enough good things uh, about those little pieces of footage in there. There's even a really great little black and white thing where it looks like Peter's rehearsing Beth. Obviously, Beth isn't in there, so Peter's just kind of sitting down and, and, and getting ready to sing. You don't hear him sing, but that's cool stuff, too. And finally, the Lydia Chris home movies can be seen throughout this. So if you're a fan, if you're a collector and you want to see cool little clips, it's awesome. Remember how cool it was when we finally saw VH1 kiss behind the makeup and there was footage in there from the Dynasty promos, uh, you know, the Shrino something videos and all little things of Cobol Hall 75. How cool that was. That's what this is like. But the story seems so much fuller because they were able to stretch it over a four-hour time frame. You get to hear cool little stories about the inception of the band, and you get to see cool little things. And, you know, if there wasn't bootlegs, you, you would have heard, you know, Kiss at the Daisy for the first time. That's in there. How cool is that? Um, the one thing that I have to say is there is footage from ABC in concert that was clearly taken from YouTube. I wish they hadn't done that take that out of it this is an awesome documentary part one is at least i'll see part two when you guys see it so um so yeah that's my that's my review in a nutshell i mean there there are so many cool little things about it that maybe i forgot that you'll see when you see it but but man it's if you love kiss you're gonna love this documentary it's awesome nice so lonnie what would you want to know about part one um about you know either Andrew's impression or you know things to make you feel you know more enthused about it. Um, I'd like to know how much they talk about the making of Destroyer. Um, Quite a bit actually. They they yeah. interview Bob Ezrin. Cool. Bob very, Ezrin, very cool. Bob Ezrin kind of that... talks about how how important it was to go from the live record into something that continued their growth. So there is quite a bit on Destroyer. I think that that's good to hear because I think that's very important. I mean, and you know, say what you want about Destroyer, and but there are there there are six of those nine songs are just core core Kiss songs, and it was such an important time for them that you know, and we we talk about it. I don't need to lecture the Kiss Army of the importance of Destroyer coming in after a life, but I but I think that's 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 so important. That's an important part of the story that that needs to be told and i'm glad that's in there and where, where does where does part one end can you tell us that yeah part one ends uh at the tom snyder show so it kind of ends oh, as the band cool. is it, it kind of ends when the band is falling apart um you know they, they talk about the the um the problems during phantom and, and, and all the things like that so um that it, it, it was kind of cool uh, you know one thing that they didn't touch on that i'm kind of glad they didn't touch on was cadillac michigan 75 only because we've heard that story before. It's in everything. And if you want to hear about Cadillac, Michigan, you should go watch The Greatest Show on Earth, the Kiss fan film that's on my YouTube channel, Greatest oh. Show on Earth, fan films. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, they, don't, they don't really go into that. They don't really go into um, just the Cadillac, but it's there's something in there for everyone that you may not know. I mean... I know a lot of it because I, I sit around and I read books like this. So, um, uh, but, um, uh, but honestly, uh, there, there are so, I, I probably forgotten so many things about it, 
but there are so many things in this documentary that I thought, hey, that's really cool. I think that's a cool way to, I think that's a cool place to end it. I was curious how they were going to end it, part one and part two. But I got Tom, Tom Snyder, everything that goes on, like, and I could see how they would paint it, that the band is just falling, the wheels are coming off type thing. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, I got a couple of questions. Uh, so what, one would be the background music as the the what is the background music and how was that how did that work during the documentary the second uh how were gene and paul as far as their openness and honesty about some things well gene actually says that he didn't have any struggles with substances as ace and peter did in the 70s but he did mention that he had struggles with women and how he treated people sure. So he was actually open about that for the first time where he just didn't slag the mud. He kind of said, "My, I had a part in, the, in all of this, too. Uh, as far as the background music, there's a lot of um, Muzak-type music in there, especially when they're talking about Beth because they don't, they don't play Beth. But there's a lot of Kiss music in there. A lot of Kiss music is in, is in this documentary. And um, I was kind of hoping to hear a little bit more as far as demos go, as far as unreleased stuff, because us collectors know that there are those, um, there's that summer tour rehearsal that, that came out, but there's also those, that other whole, those demos that were done in between the Kramer sessions and the first album that some of them are on the box set, but there's supposedly like a bunch of demos that were done. Um, there's two, two sessions. There's yeah. two, there's just two other songs, right? Yeah. And there's so, one, and there's one other recording session from '73. So, but those are those things that we were hoping to hear, that we really don't. But still, we hear. I mean, just pretend that we hadn't heard the Daisy, and they're playing that stuff. So, for the for the casual fans that, that doesn't scour the internet for Kiss footage, like us, they get to hear something really cool that they've probably never even heard of before. And uh, both nights at the Coventry are represented. In there, oh. they kind of edited together to make it look like there were two cameras on them. There wasn't. the The far angle is one night, and then the closer angle is the other night. So, um, so that means cold gin. Deuce. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Deuce. Uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned you know uh, Bob Ezrin. What about Eddie Kramer? I, I assume they talk about the demos maybe yeah. in live. Yes, Probably they mostly. do talk about the demos. They do talk about. They do touch on alive. There is some really cool footage from Cobo Hall in there that I hope people are able to pick out. Um, uh, footage of the of the of the sign, the actual Kiss signs on the back yeah, of the record. Awesome. There's some cool footage of that. There's probably more Cobo Hall footage in the VH1 documentaries than there is in this one. But again, you really have to um, understand that they want to do something different. So it's not going to be like all the others were. There was a lot of focus put on Cobol Hall, Cadillac, and those things, and other ones. Not to say they're absent here, but they they focus on other things. I mean, hey, when I saw video footage of Peter from the 60s, I was like, man, this is cool. This is how we're starting out. Sign me up. So that was real cool. What about um, Wicked Lester and the coverage of the band coming together and transforming out of that band into Paul and Gene deciding that they weren't following really what their vision was with that band? I think it's I think there's probably some erroneous information in there and it might just have been how it was edited. But Gene had mentioned that they tried to fire everyone in Wicked Lester 
they disagreed, and then Gene and Paul quit. Yeah, so my understanding um, of it. That, um, but if you watch every other time they had talked about it, it wasn't really told in that way. So I thought that was interesting that, that, that they told the story in that way. And the way that it's edited, they make Wicked Lester look like it was just a flash in the pan. Uh, they don't mention any performances of Wicked Lester. They just kind of mention like every song in Wicked Lester had a different uh, sound and was trying to piggyback off of any pop culture reference that they could have at that time. So uh, there really isn't a whole lot. They show that stupid group shot so many times in that, and they're oh, zooming yeah. in on different members. And there's a couple things. There's a couple little photos of Steve Carnell in there, and uh, there is no other. There is no interview of Steve Carnell in there. But they do kind of Paul and Gene kind of do reminisce about how they met. There actually is. There's several different interviews that Paul and Gene did. There's there's just these black background interviews that Paul and Gene did. But there's another interview where Paul's in his house, and there's another interview where Gene's not in his house but he's wearing paul's clothes which is odd um but there is a cool little piece where gene and paul are kind of sitting on the couch together and they're just kind of talking about the early days which something like that is cool hey i'd watch two hours to see that in a bridge version is cool because a lot of these other things that we've seen on kiss you've never had two of the guys telling the story in a room and like vibing off each other so um being a fan to see those two guys talk about that was cool uh, but again um, how cool would it have been to see the four guys just sit in a room and tell stories that would have been a lot cooler um, I just kind of want to hear Ace just you know just be like oh yeah, and just, yeah. I, I want to hear Ace kind of react to everybody else um, but again very cool we've never seen anything like that before so to me it was cool Lonnie what about the solo albums? How much emphasis or how much do they talk about the solo albums? There's not a lot on the solo records. They kind of lump that into Kiss Meets the Phantom. People that have looked at a lot of ba original band documents and original band contracts know that the solo albums were kind of pre-planned in 1976 as far as their record contract goes uh, and how they were counting towards the number of records in the contract at that time. Uh, they do tell the same old story. They were unhappy during Kiss Me's Phantom, and they wanted, you know, to do solo records at that point. So that kind of goes into Dynasty, and that kind of goes into how the band started falling apart. Uh, so that that was kind of cool. Um, they they kind of go. They they there's a bunch of cool footage of Gene uh, from WMMS, which I had never seen before, where he did some interviews. I think it was from uh, an episode of PM Magazine that we have never seen before. So that was kind of cool to see Gene promote the album. Um, I was kind of hoping that they were going to show footage of Ace or Peter promoting the album. They really didn't. I know Ace did some radio interviews. Actually, one of the things that I forgot to mention is even though there are no new interviews for Ace and Peter, they did use the interview that they conducted with Peter that ended up on the second coming. So there's little pieces of exact audio that were in the second coming that they reused in this documentary to kind of retell the story. So I thought that was really interesting that they have all who knows how many hours of interviews that they have of these guys that we've never heard before. So I thought that was interesting that they decided to use uh, an interview that was taped in February of 1998 for this. And that February 1998 interview ended up in the second coming. Nice. Ken? Um, no, you go. Okay. Um, He's answered a lot. Yeah, you've talked about some of the footage. Some has or been very tightly 
controlled and people mm-hmm. have seen it so it's not going to be new to absolutely everyone uh, but some of the stuff that I've seen in the trailer joined in the woods obviously I'm getting out of uh, the hotter than hell promo film um, Calderon 75 fire breathing you know mm-hmm. what what beacon, if you yeah. have to, if you had was that beacon beacon yeah okay um, oh, no, them, them bowing is beacon what would you say is your gaga moment from part one where where you were just sitting there and going either holy shit i can't believe i'm hearing this or i'm seeing this it's that footage of peter singing beth because they're clearly rehearsing somewhere he's out of makeup where is that from is that from the same rehearsal tape that we've seen where they're doing a, a bunch of songs and the camera's far away and that same tape that um we get i want is it i want you no excuse me it's take me that's on the kiss my ass video that's really cool. I love seeing rehearsal footage and stuff like that. That's the stuff I want to see, especially from the 70s. Um, but I, I did see that in the trailer that there's a lot of clips of the famed eye video in that trailer, which made me laugh. Of course. Um, yeah, the, I, I think anyone who knows anything about that video knows that Kiss had it. You know, mm-hmm. that it, no one was getting anything that Kiss didn't already have. Um, now it would have been more interesting if the video uh the the parts referenced in it uh had the uh glitches that the videotape that was sold had because then you know that was burned you're right how (laughs) how could i I forget that that all went up in smoke all Um, went up in smoke i think people will enjoy that though getting to see an unwatermarked uh, and I think I showed brief clips of it, uh, and I know the Norwegians got to see it uh, through a special arrangement before I got rid of the tape. But uh, that's going to be fun. Now, is there a moment on part one, other than the disclaimer, the unnecessary disclaimer uh, against Peter, uh, or actually not the disclaimer, the kind of calling him out later on, that was a real downer for you or any part of the story that you thought was not handled very well? It's obviously the, the Peter thing I didn't think was handled very well at all. Um, but well, that's no, what, that's I, why I said other than that. Yeah. Aside from that part, I don't really think that any part of the story was poorly handled. Uh, I I almost think that we need a five night event to kind of go over all the the things that happened <laughs> in in history. Um, but no, I didn't think anything was handled poorly. I thought it was all represented um, pretty true to form and pretty true to all the other things that that I've looked at. Now, I thought that Kistory, even though I love Kistory the book, I thought that was the Gene and Paul story. Even though Gene and Paul are the only ones that had new interviews in this, I still think it's a pretty good band story. So there really wasn't anything that I was watching and I was like, ah, they really didn't talk too much about that. Um, I would have liked to seen a little more footage of the Kiss comic, only because I, I really wanted to see more footage of Stan Lee. So I thought that would have been kind of cool. Um, but uh, it, I, it wasn't something I go, oh, they didn't talk about that. I really missed that part. There wasn't any part of it where I go, man, that was handled poorly. And when I was watching it, I didn't want it to end. I thought it was just so cool that uh, we finally, after all these years, finally got to see something like this. So how did you watch it? Did you, did you have a notebook? Or did you just focus? I just focused. Didn't yeah. even check my phone. I didn't even check my phone. I actually, I, I sent, I sent a, a motherfuck text out to uh, to a friend of mine. Her name was Sydney. Uh, after I had seen the beginning, and I was like, they stole my idea. 
because like those first those first three minutes, man. When you guys, Lonnie, when you guys, when you guys all see the, those first three minutes, you'll understand what I mean. You'll because it is exactly the way I started one last time. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm sure. You, uh, I, I'm sure you were. Like, I almost, hands. I almost stood up and I was gonna be like those bricks, <laughs> uh, but I didn't. I didn't. Um, but I, I'm sure that it, it, it saved your your fandom. Have. <laughs> Had they not kept going in that direction, but I'm glad it, it stopped going in that direction yes. for your, for your fandom's growth. Yes. Yeah, you know, you'd, you'd be sitting here with a different attitude today. I wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be sitting here. Uh, so I was, I was glad. I was glad they, they they decided not to do, not to do that. But again, we were telling the same story. The story that I was telling made sense to tell. So I'm not going to say that they stole my idea. I just. I, the way that they edited it probably could have been done a little more creatively to not be mine uh, but regardless um, you gotta watch both of them you gotta watch one last time you gotta watch Kistory and those are things that are going to be in Kiss fandom world forever so so being that you're there with you know you said around around 500 maybe less than 500 people watching this was there like a, a collective gasp Anytime, like some some footage came up, like when the St. Louis stuff came up, did everybody go like, "Oh no, my god!" You know gosh. what? I don't think I don't think there were there were definitely people that were casual fans that were there. There were also industry people that were there, and there were A and E people that were there. Even the guys that I was with that were huge Kiss fans, they didn't understand why I was freaking out over the Kiss footage. Because you got to remember, we're diehards. People on the board, they're diehards. We live, eat, and breathe this stuff. We trade it. We dissect it we look at it with a fine-tooth comb this documentary is not made for us this documentary is made for the people that are fans and that want to see the story we were lucky that these little nuggets of things got included for us diehards but history was not made for a diehard to watch it and learn something new history was made to tell Kiss's story to the greatest and biggest audience possible. And I'll challenge anyone that wants to challenge that. I'll challenge anyone that wants to come at me about that statement because it's the truth. If something was going to be made for the diehards, then it would have been two hours on how they, on Eddie Kramer showing us the tape and how he cut apart Kiss Alive and how he mic'd up the audience. That's for the diehards. But for the biggest possible audience... This, that's what this is made for. And we're yeah. lucky that there are nuggets in there for us. Now, you're, you're 100% correct. It's, it's, it's for the masses, just like when you go see Kiss at an arena or at an amphitheater. It's for yeah. the masses. It's not for the diehards. It's for the broadest yeah. audience possible. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but let me tell you, it's cool. It's so cool. I was able to watch. I was able to watch it as someone who enjoys, someone who enjoys, you know. So for me, loved it, loved it. You guys got to watch it. Okay, so storyline. What I hear it is isn't actually a linear story, is it? Because it does skirt over a rock and roll over love gun alive too, and the it solos really in, in essence, doesn't it? It, it? it it. I mean, here's the thing. 
they say they talk about when Kiss was released. They talk about when Hotter Than Hell was released. They talk about when Dress to Kill was released. Even though they don't show the picture of Rock and Roll Over or Love Gun on the screen, they're showing footage of that time period, and they are going over things that happened in that time period. They're not saying Love Gun was released June 13, 1977, or whatever the fuck it is. They, they don't do that, but those time periods are represented because they're showing footage of Paul Lind. They're showing footage of... The Love Gun, you know, promotional tapes. They're they're you know talking about Alive too. They're they're talking about things. They're just not like saying it's not the the story is not like that farewell tour ten minute video where it shows the album and it shows the month and the year it came out. If you tell a story like that, it becomes very boring, very 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 boring. Uh, the way that they covered that time period was visually. Because when you're telling a story like that in a visual medium, I don't need to narrate every detail to you. When you guys, if, if you guys are comic book readers, you know, you can tell an emotion in, you know, a panel that was shaded a certain way. I don't need to tell you in every panel that this guy is sad, or I don't need to tell you in every panel that Batman is the world's greatest detective. I can do a lot with imagery. And that's what, that's what they've done. On this, so yes, they don't say, "Oh, you know, Kiss Alive 2 came out in October 19th. They don't say that, but they still show footage from that time period to let you know that we are the story is going further and further and further. So um, all those comments, all those threads on the FAQ, they were all started by people that are looking for something to hate, and all those responses are from people that didn't see the movie. So, stop looking for something to hate. Our favorite band is on TV two nights in June. That, to me, is the key. This, again, in 2021. In 2021, we're about to have two nights of Kiss. Paul was on TV today. Uh, you know, they've got now got a tour to promote as well. They're doing lots of different things. There was uh, press coverage. Um, there's a ton of shit going on right now. It's they exciting. were just on entertainment tonight, you know, talking about the movie and talking yeah. about, you know, things about that that are happening. So if you were lucky enough to get what you wanted, which is more kiss, shut up. Yeah, and I, I don't want to, you know, I criticized Paul when he was, um, you know, talking about his Now and Then album, saying that he can't be bothered to persuade someone to give it a chance. I actually feel like that now, because I, I now know that we're not going to be, we're not even going to try and persuade someone who's made up their mind that they can't stand this thing without seeing a minute of the real, you know, put together thing. Yeah, you've seen the three minute trailer now, thank goodness that I think finally that really dropped. Kind of sucked, to be honest with you. What? Yeah, that as the trailer was made. Which trailer? Both of them. Oh, both? I thought the second one was way better, uh, as it at least d delivered some of the you know the magical artifacts that you know the eagle-eyed uh, you know diehards are gonna see. It was at least something up. there. Hold up. So they're making a trailer for people that are already gonna watch the damn thing. <laughs> Let's just be real on it. Yeah. You know? I don't um, have a problem with that. I, I, yeah, I, I think, um, I, I mean, I have a big problem with, with trailers. Trailers, they've been giving away the story for years. I stay away, I watch the first teaser trailer for something, then I stay away from everything. Because I don't want to know. I want to go in. I, I want I want you to tease me enough, which I thought the first one did a 
perfect job of. Um, no, it and then I'm gonna, me go, off. Then I'm gonna go watch and it. Nothing. Well, good. I don't want to see anything. I, I don't do. want to see anything. I need a hint. I don't need anything. I don't need. I was gonna watch it anyway. I used to unwrap yep. my presents at Christmas. I used to sneak down and then with the thing find that sell it tape and rewrap them because I couldn't. You, you know, there, there were there were things like like listen, I'm a huge Marvel fan. I don't watch any. Uh, I don't watch any of the subsequent trailers because I don't want to know what happens. I'm gonna see the movie anyway. I don't need to be spoiled. I want to sit in that theater and have some wow moments. You know. I don't need a. I don't. I don't need. I don't need a trailer. I don't need a trailer, and I don't need the movie to hold my hand to tell me the story. If you're gonna, if you're gonna visually show Kiss's growth by showing a bigger stage and a bigger pyrotechnical show and all that stuff, I don't need you in the same show to go. And in 1977, Kiss bought one million dollars worth of gear, and first it was in Japan. This I don't need that. I'm smart enough. We're all smart enough to understand that the band is growing. So if they're just going to visually show that to me throughout the documentary, awesome, great. I don't need a three-minute trailer that is going to show me footage I've never seen before before I see the movie. You know how cool it would have been so cool for all these people that are bitching now to see that St. Louis footage, like I saw it. I had no idea that was in there. I saw it. I go, holy fuck! It's the Kite Festival. Like that. I. I want to have those moments when I go see things that already interest me. And if you're watching this show, if you're posting on the message board, shut up. You were going to watch this anyway. You don't need a trailer that's going to hold your hand and say, oh, by the way, look, we have five rare clips that you got to see. Shut up. Go watch it. And then come back and tell me about it. Yeah, I completely disagree. I think that, you know, <laughs> that, that four seconds of kite is going to be enough to get some people who were on the fence off the damn fence to watch the damn thing. And I think, if nothing else, that might be the goal. Because, yeah, you're absolutely 100% right. The people who are going to watch it are going to watch it no matter what. Totally. They're, you know, the people on the FAQ, the ones who are, who are saying that they're not, are probably going to watch it because people are 100%. so contrarian. You know, the people on Facebook and KISS community, they're all watching it. Well, except if they're in Europe, Canada, or some country that doesn't have A&E or a partnership. So sorry, guys. Um, you know, the people who are able to are going to watch it. But I think that the vast majority of people who do watch it are not hanging out on the FAQ or Facebook groups. They're living their lives. They're working their jobs. They're tending their families. They're growing vegetables. Um you know, and they don't know that we exist, and they certainly aren't watching this podcast or any of the podcasts that are talking about the show. So I think they are going to have that exact same moment where we threw our arms up in the air and said, holy shit, Keishi, Kite Festival, and instantaneously knew what it and where and the date of it and the size of the crowd. We're nerds. We are nerds. We, we aren't. And but, but again, listen, you're... Some of the people still saw that stuff, and they probably still bitched about it. Um, yeah, there wasn't enough tell, of it. I got it exactly. I got to tell you guys, watch it on the 27th and the 28th. I'm certainly going to watch it. Listen, I purchased live cable today so I could watch it when it happens. I haven't had live cable for 20 years. Yeah, about 20 years. About 20 years I haven't had live cable. I had like the antenna, and I had the thing just came out of the wall. I just. I, I wasn't a big, you know, for me, it, it was, it, you know, I just, I didn't never watch a lot of TV until recently when, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff. I was a movie guy. Always a movie guy. So, um, 
I, I'm excited. I'm treating this like a movie. I, cool. I, I'm excited that this is this is going to happen. And who knows? Maybe it'll inspire me to do something else. Um, you know, I remember when I first saw. Oh, and by the way, I am so glad that they did not use the Dynasty font as the logo. I'm so glad because you guys remember that first little image that we saw on someone's editing suite. It was like history. And I was like, oh, my God, yeah. this is what they're doing. And that actually got my ass into gear to make one last time. Um, but it's really, it was really well done. It was a beautiful night when we got to watch the movie. And it was cool, man. It was cool. I wish we can go see this in a drive-in. And, you know, and, and everybody could see Kiss after they watched the movie. Uh, it was cool, man. And it, 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 it's so cool that you can see something like this in Kiss in 2021. As, Go watch it. As, Go watch it. As a side note, um, I don't know if anyone saw that interview with the director that Mike Brown did. Mike Brown yeah. and DJ Viola. Yeah. Uh, yeah, DJ uh, Viola. Um, that was pretty good interview. And what's what was interesting to me is he said, or DJ Viola, he thought that part two was better than part one. That his opinion, of course. Hmm. He's the director, uh, but he thinks it was better than part one. And I don't know if that was intentional to make people to make stay people watch and watch the two. second night. Or what? But well, but, you gotta watch the second night because you yeah. got it. Oh yeah. And then the other thing is, it was interesting how he said that uh, you know he had to kind of retrain Gene and Paul how to be interviewed because they're they've always been answering these same questions the same way Stop for years cliches. without saying yeah and without going into detail. It's like you know you're saying this you know answer, but but why why are you you know coming to this conclusion or answer why did this happen this, you know not just a you know quick one-liner uh, more you know more detail i guess so he had to pretty much retrain them and open up about things i guess a little bit more than they have in the past so did you hear the word Sounds gymnasium good. during part one I didn't. Okay, thank you. Right. Did you hear the phrase "more makeup than your mommy"? No. Awesome. Or it's interesting. Yeah. I heard that they wanted. I heard them say that when they were trying to be the New York Dolls, they were like, "Guys, we look ridiculous." And that's when they saw Alice Cooper, and they wanted to be four Alice Coopers. Gene did say something funny where everybody kind of laughed. You know, Gene's like being the demon, and and then Gene is like, "Oh yeah, Peter, I like cats." Like and that's that's the he says that that's how Peter came up with the cat, so um you know so I was like I was like oh man I was like and listen I, I've talked to Peter a bunch he's not a stupid guy he's not so um he probably had deeper meaning wanting to be wanting to be a cat um but uh, but it was li listen I, I hate to repeat myself no you don't I can't wait to watch it again I can't wait to watch it again I can't I can't wait for the director's cut. On Blu-ray. Over and over. Yeah, if there is one. Yeah, right. who who knows? Lonnie, yeah. any last questions before we wrap up? No, I. I uh, or Ken. You get us more excited about it. Ken. Just the other thing is they they said uh, it was asked of the director, um, 
whether it would be eventually you know released on blu-ray or or some other kind of thing and and he had stated that uh, there's there's a, there's some other uh, opportunities or, or talked being talked about i guess uh, well, if you yeah. guys if you guys don't know, um, in 2010 when A and E aired, that was Kisteria. If you watched it in one of the live tapings or the live airings of it, you could purchase a DVD of Kisteria from A and E. And granted, it was a DVD. The damn thing wasn't even uh, framed correctly. It wasn't even anamorphic. It was literally they burned you a DVD in four three aspect ratio and sent it to you on a blue disc. I have it. I bought it. Okay. Maybe this will be the same thing. Don't I don't. Know. I don't expect it to be like. That. I Hope, think it's hopefully be done not. Right like they, the same if thing. When they do it. Hopefully yeah. not. Yeah. All right. Um. I have one last question, then we'll wrap up. Um. Just the overall flow of the narrative and the special guests who speak. Obviously, Tom Morello is there. Dave Grohl is there. What about Tommy and Eric? And just um. Uh, you know how how is that narration? Tommy to mine to my memory, my recollection, is not in part one at all. Eric is in part one only to talk about how he saw Kiss in Cleveland in the 70s. Cool. Which, uh, obviously, Tommy, Tommy would have talked about seeing Kiss in Portland in the 70s, so it's it would have been kind of well, redundant. Eric, and Eric, you know. So. Eric Singer, I'm talking about. Yeah. Too. Yeah, so it, it would have been redundant if Tommy had talked about it too, but it, it was cool to hear Eric kind of talk about those early days. And uh, they did show some Portland 1975 footage, by the way, for Eagle Eye viewers tried to spot where that is, but it's in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was cool. It, it was cool to listen to other people talk about it. And it was cool to listen to Dave Grohl talk about it. Um, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad we didn't get a cavalcade of Paul Stanley's friends in this. I'm really glad. So that Richard Marks was not in it. Richard Marks and Joe Bonamassa was not in this. I was actually really glad that they weren't in it. Um, I guess it's the only thing. The takeaway on this is obviously some of the original players, you know, Bill Coyne, all those people couldn't be in it, um, but they are represented in archival footage, which was nice. Okay, let's leave it there because that's plenty to ponder and to digest. Do check out Mike Bruns. Uh, he's had two. He had uh, a special guest on to talk about his experience at Tribeca, as well as you know his interview that dropped today with uh, the director. So check out both of those. No doubt there'll be other podcasts doing coverage. So you know just pick and choose what you want to know about it in advance. And you know be ready. I'm, I'm hoping that we're able to do a, a live stream uh, watching party with our commentary as we go along but who knows it, it may be one of those things where people just want to watch the damn thing and enjoy it and uh, then talk about it after the fact so we don't know at this point until then we've got off the soundboard to listen to I'm going to give it another spin Lonnie I did find out one thing this week though and it yep. is exercising to now and then does not work so I've not tried it that that will that four-mile walk was not a fun one. It just does not flow when you're actually trying to get hit by cars. Yeah. Yeah. I know better. Yeah. All right, so that's <laughs> it for this week. Andrew, thank you for sharing your thoughts, your hey, memories, and your thanks, experience uh, with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for always pimping one last time on all the other ones. Um, we d we didn't we it. didn't talk about it once. You talked about it several times yeah, but, yeah, and threw in. Yeah, but you guys know having me on. I'm going to talk about it. 
Uh, but I do want to talk about one more one more thing, and I should have mentioned this earlier in the show. Uh, Kiss Army Spain is getting ready to release another brand new Kiss book called Kiss Destroys Madison Square Garden, 1977 to 2019. Uh, head over to KissArmySpain.com to get your copy today. The book is 100% already completed. Ships in September. And it's in English? In English and Spanish. There you go, because that's a that's a big deal for some people. There you go, yeah. cool stuff. More fun stuff coming down the pipe. All right, so from Andrew, from Lonnie, Ken, and myself, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.